Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. Oh, I love coming and being able to minister to you. I thank Pastor Alex for letting me do this. I love you all. You know that? I really do. I see destiny in all of you, every last one of you, because I see you like God sees you. Even when you don't believe in yourself, I believe in you, because he believes in you. He, he destined you to become a son or a daughter. As Pastor Alex says, he adopted you into the Trinity. Just get that. Get that deep down in your soul. You're adopted into the Godhead. You are. You're joint heirs with Christ. Everything Christ has, you have. Here and now, and there. That's what he said. I'm going to give you abundant life, not only there, but here. And so many of us live below that. Um, how many of you have read Heidi's and my book, Healed? Okay. How many have not read it? Okay. Anyone tonight who has not read it that wants to read it? If you go to the information desk, you can have a free copy. And, and if you know somebody that needs, if you've read it or not read it, and you know somebody who needs encouragement to persevere for the promises of God, whether it be healing or finances or a wayward uh, relative or whatever it is, you can pick one up free too. Give it away. These are, they're great testimonies. There's been so many people who have come back and said that really encouraged me to persevere because of the story in here. So it's for you and I, okay? You know, I told you, you said I was an encourager, right? And I am. But the Lord wanted me to challenge you tonight. Is that okay? Is that okay? You gave me permission to do that? As I was praying about what I should minister on for the last several weeks, um, the Lord just placed on my heart this message. Brandon likes titles. So I entitled this, What Are We Waiting For? What are we waiting for? Pastor Alex on Sunday, with awesome message. If you have not heard the message on Sunday, please go and listen to it online. It is awesome. There are a lot of truths in there. The church has been lied to. And it's been lied to by the enemy to waylay us, to put us aside, to kind of push us over uh, Brandon, last week, I think shocked everybody because he said, just coming up into the front and saying uh, the sinner's prayer doesn't cut it, guys. In fact, what you said tonight was, lines up so much with this message, I'm glad you said it. It was just incredible because that that's not even biblical. The Bible doesn't say come up and say sinner's prayer. It doesn't. It says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and that God has raised him from the dead and you'll be saved. Believe. And we think that word, like I've said before, means to just kind of give a mental ascension to, yeah, I believe in Jesus. It's not what it means. That word in the Hebrew and the Greek means to put your full trust in him. Full trust. Every part of your life. That's what it means by believe. So what it's essentially saying is, 
Put your full trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and believe that God has raised him from the dead and you'll be saved. Because without the Paul says without the resurrection, we're miserable creatures. Because if Jesus is in the ground, we don't have any guarantee of eternal life. But he's risen again. So we put our full trust in him and believe that God's raised him from the dead and that he is king and Lord and he's on the throne right now and he's making constant intercession for us, then we're saved. And as Brandon said tonight, the proof of that is we're doing what he told us to do. You're my disciples if you do what I tell you to do. And so many of us have bought into the lie that all we have to do is just believe and come to church and be, live a good life and that's it. And that's not it. It's not. That lie has waylaid the church for a long, long time. It's made Christianity a spectator sport. In fact, that's the way churches are set up like this. <laughs> you know, we're called kind of like, here's the minister and y'all are the spectators. That's not the way the church is set up. In fact, this, this whole setup, and I'm not saying this is wrong because this is just the way our culture is, but this whole setup was created uh, under Constantine because it was set up like the temples that they had. And they raised, obviously, they raised up the, the platform and they put seats up here. In fact, some of the old churches used to have a seat up here for the Holy Spirit and Christ and stuff like that. And, and the ministers would sit in their seat and be like the king up there. And then everybody else would be the subjects. That's why it's set up like this. But that's not the way God originally intended it. He intended us all to be ministers. Right? Why are there apostles and prophets and um, evangelists and teachers and pastors? What are they there for? To equip you all to do the work of the ministry, and I want to add this, that they're already doing. They've been there they follow me, as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. They've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, and they can say, hey, here's how you do it. Go out there and do it. Because really, they're not the ministers. You are. They're doing ministry, but you're out there in the marketplace more than they are. I had a pastor once tell me, he said, you know, I don't, I don't hear swearing where I work. I don't hear coarse jokes where I work. <laughs> he works in the church. You're out there with the people that need saved. He rarely gets a chance to see them unless he's going around and doing stuff in the community, but rarely does he get to be shoulder to shoulder with the people that really need to be redeemed. And so the Lord was telling me, he said, you know, pastor said that we need to move from testimony to testimony to testimony. And as we move from testimony to testimony to testimony, things that personally have happened to us, then we are witnesses. We can go out and say, hey, did you hear, did you hear what God did? Isn't this awesome? Because the goodness of God, the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. And it's y'all that do that. I mean, I'm out there in the marketplace too. And I'm, and I'm doing it. But it took me a long time. Because I bought the lie because we weren't taught that when I was young. So, Jesus said we're supposed to believe and then pick up our cross and follow him. Now the cross was an instrument of death and what they would do is they would have 
the people before they were crucified actually carry their cross to the place that they were going to be executed, right? And so what Jesus was saying was, pick up the instrument of death to your own desires and your own will, your own carnality, not your physical being, but your own carnality, put that to death and pick up my desires. Because when he was crucified on the cross, he went into the ground and he was raised again to new life. And that's what he's saying to us. I want you to put to death your desires, your wants, your ways of doing it, your thought life of how it should be done and pick up mine, pick up my life. Because I want to, what is baptism? Baptism is putting ourselves, our own fleshly desires to death and being resurrected with Christ. It's a symbol of that. To take on his character and his nature. To be Christ to this world. You know, the word Christian is actually, was a mockery that the Romans and the Greeks would say about the people who followed Christ. Oh, they're Christians. You know, and the Christians took it as a badge of honor. We're little Christs. Because they acted like Christ. And that caused, the, after a, a few um, centuries, it caused the entire Roman Empire to accept Christianity as their religion because of their godliness. They acted like Christ and the people who were in leadership said, now that is the way civilization should be. And then they adopted that. There were so many senators and uh, leaders in Rome under the time of Constantine that they were all Christians. And Constantine, it was, it was just a kind of a one-off going, wait, hey, my, my, my entire empire most of them are Christians. That's a really big power source, so I'm going to adopt Christianity and the Roman Empire turned. It was because of their godliness. They did things that out of the abundance of the love that they had for God that was so antithetical to the rest of the Roman Empire because they loved people. And so that putting that old way of life down and being resurrected with Christ and being adopting his plan for our life is what it's like to become, become a Christian. And we, we've been told, no, it's just coming to church and paying your tithes and living a good life. And if, if you're really stretched and there's somebody that you know, you're really in, in, in a relationship with, you might tell them about Jesus. But that's not the way it originally was. And so... Um, 1 Peter 1, 13-16 says, So pre prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children, Brandon. God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You don't know any better then. But now, you must be holy in everything that you do. That doesn't mean religious. Holy means to be set apart for his purpose. That's what it means. The holy things in the temple were articles that were set apart only for religious purposes. And so to be holy, you be holy, set apart in everything you do. Be unlike the world in everything that you do. Just as God who chose you is holy, 
And God is holy is because there is no one like him. He is set apart completely from anything or anyone else. He's holy. He's totally set apart. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I'm holy. You must be set apart for me because I'm set apart. He says, I am God and I know of none other. There are no other gods. Big G. So, if we're supposed to follow Christ and we're supposed to be like him and we're supposed to be his character and nature, what did Jesus do? You know, we, we all look at Jesus and go, well, he, he saved us. He died on the cross to save us. But that was the end game. That was only the reason that he came and died and was resurrected because of that. But what did he do while he was on this earth? In 1 John 3, 8, it says, but the Son of God came to do what? Destroy the works of the devil. Yes. Why are you here? To destroy the works of the devil. That's right. right? That's why you're here. That is your mission. And there's so many works of the devil. One is keeping people in bondage so that they can't see and be redeemed. People who are sick. People who are depressed. People who are in poverty. People who are in pain. All of the works of the devil, the, 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 the encroachment of all kinds of cultic things and, and, uh, in, our, in our culture and these people who are searching in drugs and searching in alcohol and searching in sex and all these things, those are the works of the devil because they, they're looking for something. God built in each one of us something. It is a heart that's searching for him and what they've seen in Christianity, oh, that can't be it. That's, that's the lie of the devil. Well, that, that's not it. You know, those people, they're not any different than you. They're depressed and they're in pain and they're sick and they're, you know, you know they're, hip they're hypocritical. So that can't be it. So they don't even try that. But if you're living like Christ, you are, just like Christ was the image of the Father, you are the image of Christ in your world. They will gravitate towards you because they'll see something in you and say, wait a minute, I like what they have. Maybe I'll try that. Right? So, that's what Jesus did. It's in Acts 10.38 it says, And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing what? Good and healing how many? All who were what? Oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Is God with you? Yes. Absolutely. So this is what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be going around and heal. And I'm not talking just about physical healing. There's probably more emotional and mental pain in this world than there is physical pain, especially in the younger years. And your job, like Christ, is to go around and heal all that are being oppressed, suppressed by the devil. So he told us in Matthew 10, 8, he said, heal the sick. And that word heal is the word sozo, which means total wholeness, body, soul, and spirit. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely Joe. Oh, come on, Dr. Joe, we can't do that. I used to think that. I really did. Probably when I was most of your age, I used to think that. Oh, well, you know, I mean, that's, they're special people. They're the, you know, healing evangelists. They do that kind of stuff. And, you know, the and uh, certain pastors and stuff like that. Was that a, that's a lie. 
you have been filled with the Holy Spirit and power, and you've been given the name of Jesus. And I was contemplating on that word name of Jesus, because that kind of, in our culture, to say name of Jesus, like in Jesus' name, it's like, what does that mean? And, and God said, let, let me expand that for you. The name of Jesus, just like doing something in the name of the king or the name of the president or the name of whatever, is the authority and power of Jesus with the subsequent glory and honor that he's going to get from that coming to pass. That's what the name of Jesus is. You don't get the glory. You say, in the name of Jesus, in the, in the power and authority of Jesus be done with the subsequent glory and honor due to his name. He'll get the glory and honor. That's what I'm doing this in. You know, and so we, sometimes we think, well, you know, if I do that, I'll, I maybe sound arrogant. God says, no, I told you. Jesus said, do that. Do these things. He said in John 13, 34, 35, he says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. What does that mean, love one another? Does it mean you go all around going, oh, I just love you? No. That means you put that person ahead of you. That means I need in my life to always be looking at how I can help you to succeed how I can help you to become more like Christ. That is my goal in life. If I love you, I want to lift you up. If I love you, I want to help you. I don't want you to be sad. I don't want you to be depressed. I don't want you to be sick. I don't want you to be in poverty or pain. I want to do everything that I can do to help you and encourage you and lift you up because I love you, right? And so that's my goal. That's why I do what I do is because I really love you. I see what God has deposited in each one of you. And it's incredible. The Holy Spirit of God in you is incredible. He was the one who moved on the face of the waters and made the dry land. How many of you have been following the hurricanes? Do you remember when they were talking about the hurricanes as they were going through some of these cities on the west side of Florida? How when that, that wind came, it actually drew the water right out of the bays and it became dry? Think how, I mean, that's incredible power. Okay, that's just a bay. The Holy Spirit went and made dry land that stayed. <laughs> it didn't come back. That's the power of God that's in you. And he's there to guide you into all truth. That's what he's there for. And to make you witnesses. How? By giving you testimony after testimony after testimony of his goodness. And so that's what God has deposited in each one of you. And that's why we're here. That's why we do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. It isn't so we can come and get taught, although that's good. It's that we're there for each other. We're looking out for each other. We love each other. You'll know, they'll know that you're mine by the love you have for one another. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. I've been given all authority. I'm giving it to you to go and make disciples of all nations. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Now, let me ask you, how many people here tonight can honestly say they're doing all that? I don't want you to raise your hands. Denying your own desires, taking up your cross, and following Christ and doing all he commanded you to do. I would say very few of us. But that's supposed to be what we're doing. 
right? How many of you really want that? Really want that? Do you know you can have that? How many of you want to see his glory and experience his goodness? You can have that. So my question tonight is, what are we waiting for? We all seem to be waiting for something. Now, very briefly, I'm going to, because I don't have a lot of time, let me, just, let me just tell you about a little bit about my testimony in the church. I got saved when I was six years old. Um, I grew up in the church. I teethed on the pews. And I got saved in a, in a little Methodist vacation Bible school. And I was going to an Assembly of God church. <laughs> and I came out and said, Mommy, I accepted Jesus in my heart. And at that time, that's what we were taught to do. But that changed my life. I'd always been sensitive to the Lord. So I served God. You know, I did everything you were supposed to do. I learned how to pay tithes. I went to most of the services. I just about lived at church. My best friend was the pastor's son. We did all kinds of stuff together. I, we had a Christian singing group uh, My wife, that my wife and I were in. We, uh, I was a, a young married um, Sunday school teacher for like 10, 15 years. Um, filled with the Spirit, deacon, elder, everything you could possibly be. And it's like, you know, that's it, right? And, uh, you know, all doing all this stuff, all the things, we were kind of taught that there were special people that healed the sick and raised the dead and cast out devils and cleansed lepers and prophesied and, you know, um, tongues, interpretations and all that kind of stuff. So if sister so-and-so would give a word in tongue, we'd look to brother so-and-so to interpret you know, just kind of like, those, that's their gifting. <laughs> and um, in my adult life, I remember going down to a church and just crying out to God, saying, God, bring revival to America. You know, Lord, I just want to experience you. And I said those words that if you're really serious with God, you'll say, do whatever it takes. And he did. He didn't do it to me, but he used things in my life to let me find out what it really is to live a Christian life. And I'm not there yet, but I'm so past the lie of the enemy that says that we need to wait on stuff before we can be that. Right? We don't. All right? So... So why do we wait to be all in? The Jews were waiting for the promised Messiah before, because they, the promised Messiah was supposed to be king for a thousand generations. So they're waiting for him. And so when Jesus came, that's why you hear these comments like, when's the kingdom going to come? When, when, when are you going to bring the kingdom? And they were waiting for that appointed time when he was supposed to come. And they, even today, they're at the Wailing Wall praying, asking the Messiah to come because they're waiting because they're oppressed and they're waiting for the king to come. So every young girl was waiting to be the girl that would be the mother of the Messiah. And guess what? Mary heard the announcement. She was going to be the mother of Jesus. Joseph was going to put her away privately, privately but he was given, he was waiting for permission to take part in this miracle and take Mary as his wife. The shepherds were waiting for a pop proclamation and the angels came and they proclaimed that Jesus 
was born in Bethlehem. The wise men were waiting for heavenly sign and they saw the star. Simeon was waiting for the promise of the Messiah. And when he saw him, he said, Sovereign Lord, you have promised and now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all the people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. That's us. And for glory to your people Israel. John the Baptist was waiting for the Lamb of God. And Jesus came and God told him, whoever you see the dove light on, that's the Lamb of God. And he saw him. The twelve were waiting for an invitation, come and follow me. Jesus said, you know, he didn't say, say the sinner's prayer. He said, come and follow me. And at that time, when, it, when somebody asked you to follow them, they meant, be like me. Pick up my character and nature. Be like me. Come and follow me. They're waiting for that invitation. The people who are following him, they're waiting to be sure he was the one. I mean, John the Baptist said, are you the one or are we supposed to wait for another? Thomas said, unless I see him, see him and touch the, the scars in his hands and his side, I'm not, I won't believe. And as soon as he saw the Lord, I don't, it doesn't say that he actually touched his hands. Or as he saw the Lord, he said, my Lord and my God. Right? And so some people were just waiting to be taught. Some people were waiting to see a miracle. Some people were waiting to see a sign. Some people were waiting to finish up their responsibilities. In Luke 9:57 it says as they were walking along a road a man said to him I will follow you wherever you go and Jesus said foxes have dens and birds have nests but the son of man has no place to lay his head basically what he was saying was you think this is all roses it's not when you follow me it's hard so think about it before you blurt out you want to follow me um he said to another man follow me and he replied well lord let me First, go and bury my father. He had other things to do. Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus said, no one puts his hand to the plow and looks back, is fit for service in the kingdom of God. So what he was saying was, all that extra stuff, all the stuff in the world that you think is important, it's not important. What's important is to follow me and do kingdom. After, they, after the death and resurrection of Christ, they were waiting to receive power. So what do people wait for today? Some people wait to feel led. Some people wait to, to be chosen, to be loved, to be accepted, to be adopted as sons and daughters, to become significant, to receive authority, to be called, to be assigned, to be commanded, to be anointed. Some wait to be older. Remember Paul said to Timothy, don't let anybody um, disrespect your youth. You know, so don't wait. You don't have to wait to be older. Some people wait to be more secure. I just need to make sure I have my finances in place. Some are like, well, I need to know more of the word. Some wait so they can become a minister. I'm going to seminary so I can become a minister. Some wait to make it big. Some are waiting to, to sow their wild oats first. Franklin Graham was one of those. You know, we see what he's like today, but when he was young, his parents would pray for him every night because he was wild. Some are waiting to have a purpose. Some are waiting to have a career. Some are waiting to have a family. And some are waiting to retire so they can have more time. But most people have, seem to have some kind of excuse for why they're not all in. Why they're not following the Lord as he told them. So he's asking us to become God-loving servants who are kingdom carriers 
denying themselves, loving people, and reconciling them to God through the gospel of the kingdom and their testimonies. So I ask tonight, what are you waiting for? What is it in your life that you've put above the call of God? Because every last one of you has been commissioned by Jesus. If you have believed on Christ and have received him as Lord and God in your life and are going to follow him, he told us to make disciples. He told us to go out and destroy the works of the devil. He told us to put his kingdom above our kingdom and to put his righteousness above our dirty rags. That's what he told us to do. And he says in 2 Peter 1.3, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. And that doesn't mean a life that we're doing everything right. It means to live a God life, to live a life in his character and nature. He's given us everything that, so we can be successful in emulating Jesus, to be the perfect image of Jesus on this earth to others. He's given us everything. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who has called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. He's called, he said, He's, he's, he's gone to each one of you and said, follow me. Follow me. Be like me. Because I need you right now. The church has deteriorated. It's become a bunch of people who are spectators. Who think if I just go and listen to the sermon and try to do right, that that's going to please God. And he's like, no. You're disciple makers. You're kingdom carriers. You're devil destroyers. That's what you are. That's what God calls you. And in Acts 7 8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Now, we've talked before in the, the message I spoke on, on Witnessing 101. What is a witness? If you haven't seen something, are they going to call you to the stand? No. A witness is someone who has seen. Turn to 1 John the first chapter. I think John says it best here. That which, that which we from the beginning, I'm sorry, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us, and that we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you may also have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus. And I write you these things so that your joy may be full. What is he saying? I'm a witness because I've seen, heard, touched, I've experienced something. And, you know, I, you know folks, I'm not demeaning being the first time that you recognize Christ and received him in your heart. That is a testimony. But that's only something that you can experience. You can't really, I, I received Christ and he's my Lord and Savior. And the person you're there is going, right? They don't, they don't know what that means. They don't, they don't. 
But if you can say, man, I was praying, I was... We, I was uh, had a bill to pay and I couldn't I couldn't pay the bill and so I asked God I said Lord you know I need I need this money I need to pay this bill and guess what I went to my mailbox and there was a check in there from a company I used to work for five years ago that owed me money and it was right there and it was the exact amount or you know I uh, my son was sick and he he um, he had some kind of an illness or whatever, and I went to God and I prayed for him and I told that thing it had to go and he was, his fever broke and he's immediately healed. Those are the kind of things that people go, oh, yeah. Because they can relate to that. I was depressed. But you know something? I started realizing that God is my all in all and I started praying and the peace of God came over me and I wasn't depressed anymore. Really, how does that work? Because I'm depressed. I'm anxious, I'm sick, I'm not joyful, I'm sad, I'm worried, I'm de How does that work? Well, let me tell you how it works. What is keeping us from doing that? It's because we've been lied to. The enemy has lied to us that in your current state, you can't do that. And here's what I found out. Until you start doing it, you won't do it. You won't. I, I watched a, um, a YouTube thing of one of the new films that came out. Uh, and it was about these Amazon women. You probably know the movie I'm talking about. It's a very popular one right now. And they were showing how these actresses got ready for the part of these Amazon women. I mean, you know, full armor, swords, doing battle scenes, and throwing each other down, and doing the twirly stuff in the air, and all that kind of stuff with muscles like that. And they didn't show them like, one day here's so-and-so, and next day here's so-and-so. I mean, they were working it. They went to the gym, and they're doing these machines, and they're, they got those big ropes, the things on the end of it, and they're pulling on those things, and you can just see them straining and working, and they did that for like two or three months every day in the gym together, and their muscles started growing. And one of the women was saying, I like, I like how I feel so much. I'm going to keep doing this. That's what we're supposed to be as Christians. It isn't something you just wake up one day and go, "La, I'm here. <laughs> the, the enemy is not going to let you do that. You have to press in. Like Pastor was saying, you have to press in. God, I want this. You've given me the Holy Spirit, but we have an adversary, and he's going to try to keep you from having a testimony. And since we live in a... In a Fast food society where you drive up and if they don't give you your food and within 30 seconds you get all upset, we think that's the way Christianity is and it's not. Those disciples weren't with Jesus for one day and then went out and started doing the stuff. They were with him for three, three and a half years. He finally sent them out two by two and said, go do this, but not until he showed them how to do it. So I'm challenging you. What is keeping you why are we not doing what God has called us to do? What is your excuse? I've got to go do this. I've got to go do that. It's like these people were saying to Jesus. And he said, if you put your hand to the plow and you look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. No, let the dead be their dead. Bury their dead. No, don't go. It's not about your family. 
It's about me. It's about doing what's right. Does that mean you're supposed to leave your family? No. What it's saying is, when you put your family above God, when you put your career above God, when you put your, and you name it, above God, that's an idol. We have got a job to do. And, I, and I'm telling you right now, God is moving in this church incredibly. Pastor said this, I, th I don't remember if it was last Sunday or, or one of the other Sundays, he said, you know, somebody came up to him and said, um, this church is going to be a gateway for revival in Charlotte. I said, but you already know that, don't you? He goes, well, I've been told that. This is what the Spirit is saying. But it's not going to happen if we're spectators. It's going to happen when we go for it 100%. When we start saying, God, I want to go and destroy the works of the devil. Teach me. Show me. Read the word. See what you're allowed to do. See what you're supposed to do. You know, wake up in the morning and say, God, before you do anything, before you get out of bed, God, what are we going to do today together? What, are we gonna, what kingdom are we going to do? Where are we going to go destroy the works of the devil? Where are we going to go out and speak blessing over people? Where, am I, where are we going to go and heal somebody? Where are we going to go and bring somebody out of depression? Where are we going to go and make, meet a need? Where are we going to go and show love? Where are we going to show encouragement? Where are we going to do that? We're going to do that today together, God. And he's like, you watch. Because that's what happened to me. I'll close with this. I used, to, when I was younger, it was like, man, witnessing was like one-on-one -on -one with my people that I knew really closely. But to go up to somebody in a store and witness, and that doesn't mean, do you know Jesus? That's the worst thing you can say to somebody. <laughs> Are you a Christian? No, no. Witnessing is, man, the other day, I was just praying about a situation that I had and all of a sudden God just gave me the answer to that situation and I would have never thought of that. And the person goes, really? Tell me about that. Because their eyes get big. Because they don't hear this stuff. All they hear is, do you know Jesus? We get out our Roman road stuff and know Jesus. So, so this is what I was, was taught. You got, your, you got your testimony story together, you know, your salvation story together and that impressed no one. You know, it really didn't. I would invite people to church, you know, and they'd say, eh. But when you start saying God shows up and you can experience his goodness and you can experience his kindness and you can experience his glory, they're like, where do I sign up for that? Okay, so this is the way I lived. And I went after, after I was healed, there was an a, uh, evangelist who came to the church who was a singer. He actually was one of the main musicians at the Lakeland Revival. And I'm sitting about where Heather's sitting. He looks at me. He says, come here. <laughs> and, he, and he's the only person who did it to that night. And he wasn't there for more than like one or two nights. He said, what I have, I give you. And I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> what you have, you give me. You're an evangelist. You go out and you speak to people all over the place. I mean, whether they're in the, in the Walmarts or in the Food Lions or on the street or, in, you know, wherever you, you're just, you're just out there doing evangelism. I said, no, I'm not, an, I'm not an evangelist. I'm a teacher. That's who I am, God. And I, I wrote down the, the, the prophecy. And in fact, I came across it the other day when I was looking through some stuff in the notebook. I went, wow. That prophecy was so accurate because everything he said that I was going to do, I'm doing. I have no problem talking to somebody about Jesus because I'm not trying to get them converted. 
I'm trying to tell them a testimony of God's goodness that lures them to know more about Jesus. Every one of you can do that. And if you don't have a testimony, then get a testimony. And I've said this before too. If you don't have one now, grab somebody else's. So I'm saying, hey, this whole back portion back here are testimonies from this church. Back here, read the testimonies and say, guess what God did in my church? There's a living testimony right there. God healed both of her elbows. I mean, after the doctors tried four times, really three on one and four on the other, one night, after she was having so much pain, she couldn't stand it, God sovereignly healed her elbow in one moment when Christine just reached over to pray, not to pray healing, just a benediction kind of prayer, God healed it in a moment. But the next time, when her other elbow was having problems, God says, it's not going to happen the same way this time. You're going to have to praise through this. You're going to have to be diligent in praise. And that's the faith of praising God even when we don't see it. Because faith is what? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And one night, you can watch it on, on one of the videos um, on YouTube, Michael was in the service and God sh showed him angels depositing stuff into people in the audience. And within like five minutes, she comes up with a testimony and says, God, she felt God through her cast just squeeze her arm. The pain immediately went. Don't you think somebody would like to hear that testimony out there? <laughs> Especially somebody hobbling with a cane or somebody who's, who's depressed because they're, when, don't you think? Yes. You don't think they'd be going like this? So if you don't have a testimony, grab somebody else's testimony until you get your own. And I'm not, like I said, I'm, please, don't get me wrong. The greatest thing that Jesus ever did for us was to reconcile us back to God through his death on the cross and resurrection. But that's not what people want to hear. Okay, what they want to hear is there is a God and he's real and he demonstrates himself in goodness to us. So I leave it to you tonight. Do some soul searching. What are you waiting for? Because there really isn't anything to wait for. There's no good excuse. Just, like Nike used to say, just do it. Can we all stand? Sorry I kept you a little bit long, but we started a little bit late too. <laughs> Father, I just want to pray over this people in the name of Jesus. I ask that you would even wake them up in the middle of the night and just ask them the question, what are you waiting for? Because I'm with you. I've already given you everything you need for life and being like me, godliness. I've already given you my Holy Spirit to guide you in all truth, the very power that created the, the universe. I've already given you that. I've placed him inside of you. The prophets would have loved to have had that, and they didn't, but I've given it to you. There is nothing holding you back except your unwillingness to go for it. So, Lord, I am just asking you to challenge them and I'm asking you to give them a testimony, and then another, and then another, and then another, and then another, till when they're walking outside, they're grabbing people in the street, saying, you've got to hear this. You've got to hear what God did. This is so awesome. Yes. With the joy of the Lord. And guess what? It'll be so compelling that people will go, I want to know how to do this. And it won't be like, we'll come to my church. It'll be like, right now. You can give your life to Jesus and you can follow him and you can be like me. Just like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ because I'm a kingdom carrier. 
So Lord, I ask that tonight. I plead with you tonight, God, because these are your children, your beloved children, and the enemy has kept them suppressed and lied to for too long. They are your favorites because you're, you have no, you are, there's no respecter of persons in you. There's not one you lift above the other because you've even made us joint heirs with Jesus, your beloved. So Lord, I just ask that you would do that tonight. Challenge them, God, each day. And Lord, I challenge, I'm asking you to challenge them as they wake up in the morning, talk to them and say, hey, I've got plans for you today. Do you, do you want to do what, what I'm doing? You want to go play with me? Or do you want to go out and play in the world? Because he's a bad taskmaster, but I'm a good father. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.